Welcome to Shifting Sands, Reshaping Charitable Foundations, a podcast from Horn Healthcare. How have charitable foundations, especially those with a mission in healthcare, changed course in 2020? And what's on the horizon for these institutions as they reimagine everything from their gifts and budgets to events and donor education to outreach? I'm Barry Plunkett with Horn. And today on Shifting Sands, our guest is Phillips McCarty. Phil is Vice President for Advancement and Executive Director of the Fashion Institute of Technology Foundation in New York. He is also Founder and Creative Director of Good Scout. For over two decades, Phil has led development issues for some of the country's best known and most effective charitable organizations, engineering social good initiatives foundation management structures, fundraising campaigns, and purpose-driven workshops, all focused on stakeholder activation and engagement with bottom line impact. Some of his clients include the American Heart Association, Brooks Brothers, Make-A-Wish Foundation, Share Our Strength, No Kid Hungry, and UNICEF, just to name a few. Phil and I have had many opportunities over the past 25 years to work together, and I'm excited to have him here to talk through his experiences with charitable foundations through this turbulent year and to help us see, perhaps through new lens, what's on the horizon. Phil, it's great to have you here on the podcast. Thanks, Barry. It is great to be here um, as we are nearing the end of quite a year, so I'm, I'm glad to connect. Great. And as we said, it's been a challenging year for us all. And it's been especially challenging for every aspect of healthcare. And foundations are no exception. What do you think is the major reason giving has decreased this year? Well, I think that there are a number of reasons for that. We obviously have experienced a year like none other um, with a pandemic and with um, diversity, equity, and inclusion challenges and issues in our country, and then a most interesting election. And I think with all of that um, comes a number of things. First of all, we have seen household income um, drop for many people. Um, leaving leaving quite a bit of uncertainty for families and households. Um, we have also um, really seen a number of um, companies and brands pause for a moment and and really look to what the future may be. And because that is so unknown, um, really holding back on um, on philanthropy and giving. And, um, and really, unfortunately, I think for the first time in a while, we are seeing those budgets um, being some of the first to go right now um, because of first and foremost needing to take care of employees. So I, I, think, that, I think that with um, all that's happened this year, we, we really have seen just a, a decrease in overall household income and, and it, it's just the uncertainty as a whole. Thank you. And Phil, earlier in the spring, I reviewed a survey that was conducted, and it said that 46% of the foundation surveyed had already had to cancel major fundraising events. And I'm sure that number is much greater now as the year has progressed. In your view, what's the multifaceted impact that this is having on foundations, reduced financial gifts, 
having to reduce programming, et cetera. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's interesting. What what we're seeing with foundations is um, is that this is uncharted territory <laughs> um, for so many people. When when we look at um, foundations, particularly when you look at hospital foundations um, and and other nonprofits, we as fundraisers so many times have built um, built most of our fundraising. I, I won't say most, but but a, but a good bit of our fundraising on events. And of course, events have changed dramatically now. Um, In-person events are no longer, or they have at least um, had quite a bit of change to them, depending on where you may be located in in the US. Um, We are also seeing that, um, just as we mentioned, that that, um, these funds are being held back a bit more. Um, And then we're also seeing situations where employees are having to be um, let go from um, foundations and, and nonprofits and, and teams are um, having to become more nimble and, um, and, you know, take on individuals taking on more responsibility. So, you know, I, I think that what we're seeing is that we're, we're in a, we're in a new age when it comes to uh, being fundraisers, and we're we're in a new day of of determining what our fundraising mechanisms and initiatives are going to be. Exactly, and when we look at how COVID has been the major culprit for this dilemma and this unprecedented year for foundations, should foundations start to consider looking at their missions, maybe tweaking a little bit? Uh, to, especially in healthcare, be more geared toward caregivers, victims of COVID, uh, new new focuses in their mission. You know. I- I think that if there's ever a time for hospital foundations to really um, celebrate the healthcare professions and the and the medical industry as a whole, it is now, and and I, I think that this is a, a prime opportunity for hospital foundations to look at. You know, th- this year has really been a moment where people have paused and realized what it takes to be a healthcare worker and and all that goes into that and um and i think you know for lack of a be- uh, lack of a better way to say it i i think that we have humanized our healthcare workers more and in a more effective way than ever before this year M- meaning we we look at them and realize it's uh, you know it's our neighbor it's our friend it's our family member um and all that they go through on a day-to-day basis. And so with that, I absolutely think that we're at a point where, uh, you know, this is a moment for a grateful patient push for hospital foundations. This is a moment for uh, utilizing that that healthcare heroes type of positioning to to really look at um, being more thoughtful about um, our, our outreach to donors and um, the way in which we can position giving. Well, you talked a, a little bit earlier about some of the impacts on the way we think about our world in general this year. So are there other important areas of focus that a foundation might look at? Yeah, I think that foundations really have to, um, to look at 
you know, what, what is the here and now? In other words, um, you know, you and I um, ha have had some conversations before about giving and is it, um, is it trendy? And, and, you know, what I've said to you is, is um, it's not necessarily trending, but it, but it should follow trend or it does follow trend. And so I think that as you are looking at 2020 and all that has happened this year, not only have we been faced with the pandemic, but as we mentioned earlier, uh, we, we have had um, challenges um, arise and, and really um, the awareness has increased dramatically around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, we also have had um, our eyes opened even more to democracy as a whole. Um, and so I, I think that looking at and being very thoughtful about where can the hospital foundation um, play a role in these areas and, and, and not only play a role, but I would say, particularly in the diversity, equity, and inclusion area, um, that, that is a must. That is something that everyone must pause and, and look at to say, how are we expanding our diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts? And how are we helping to amplify that and build that more successfully for our partner organization, i.e. the hospital. Um, the other thing that, that I, I thought about even um, in, in our conversations over the last few weeks is I think there's a real opportunity right now based on all that's been happening with the election of, um, of hospital foundations thinking about a role in community healing. So um, the hospital is, is about wellness, um, it is about health, and, and so there's a real opportunity for the hospital to, to be a neutral party, which is what we need, to, to really be thoughtful about community healing and building, building programs and building your fundraising push around that. How, how do you as the foundation serve as a conduit or, or the key player in your community for community healing. I think that's a real message that can be developed into um, a very clear fundraising um, outreach effort and, and initiatives in, in that space. Phil, the reason I ask you that the diversity question is when I do these community health needs assessments, I frequently have a community forum and I explain that we really want diverse representation of the people a hospital serves. Right. And then when I show up at the meeting, everybody in there looks the same. Yeah. Everybody goes to the same church. Everybody shops at the same supermarket. And I really think there is a naive misunderstanding of what diversity is. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. Uh, Barry, because we, and, and it's interesting that you say that because when you were asking me that, that's the first place I went. And that is first and foremost, you, you have to make sure that when you are looking at these um, diversity challenges and issues, you, you have to, you have to talk to a diverse advisory group um, and one that's truly diverse. Um, you know, so many times we think of um, diversity being um, okay, great. We have one um, 
African-American um, person on our advisory or in, in, on our board. Um, and we have um, one or two females. So guess what? We're in great shape. And that that's just not the reality. Um, and, and the other thing too, is I think it's important when we're thinking about diversity, you have to think about diversity from, from all, um, all areas and all walks of life, meaning diversity is not just at the executive level that you're trying to look at. You, you have to look at diversity in, um, you know, everything from the, the people you serve to the people who work with you or within your institution or organization. And then, yes, you do have to look at, at the board as well. But, um, but you have to have a true diverse advisory council or board um, or, or group that is helping you identify what your true diversity challenges and issues are for your community um, in order for you to, to have success there. Exactly. Now we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. We've been there wondering why it takes 29 meetings, 64 calls and 100 plus slides to get to a good place. We can do better. We're Good Scout, streamlining the journey for nonprofits and brands to arrive at meaningful and lasting social good through proven purpose-driven strategies. Because one day, one insight, one voice can change your brand for good. Find us at goodscoutgroup.com. Phil, I know that through your company, Good Scout, you're a big believer in cause giving and cause marketing. And you and I have talked about that over the years, but I think that's an area that a lot of people don't really understand what that is. And since that is one of your passions, uh, I'd like to just say, open the door and share as much about that as you would like and spend as much time on cause marketing and cause giving. Sure. You know, cause marketing has been around for quite some time and that terminology has as well. So cause marketing actually started many years ago um, and, and really was the practice of having companies align with nonprofits and developing campaigns or programs where the consumer was actually driving the dollar back to the nonprofit. So a, a couple of good examples are uh, when you have been at the grocery store or the pharmacy and you're asked if you would like to make a donation to an organization. Um, that that's cause marketing where you, you either have that roundup or that add on. Um, also, if you look at um, products that are beneficial to nonprofits where a percentage of the sales um, go to a nonprofit, what we've seen happen over the last few years and, and even more so over the, just the, the last year or so is that we were, we were going through a, a time when, companies and brands were not writing checks as much to nonprofits, but instead were utilizing these cause marketing campaigns. We've really now entered into more of a time of, of what we deem social impact marketing, which is where companies are, are really looking at who they are, what they stand for, they, in many times, in, in many cases, they are narrowing what their scope is and what their focus is when it comes to causes and when it comes to social impact. So 
at one time, you know, we, we, we were in a situation where companies would give to a multitude of nonprofits in all different types of cause categories or verticals. And now what we're seeing is we're, we're seeing the narrowing of that where companies are saying we're going to be about homelessness or we're going to be about hunger eradication um, or we're going to be about health care or even more specifically in healthcare, we're going to be about um, childhood cancer. And so with this, what we've also seen is we have actually seen an increase in companies writing checks or donating more of their profits. Um, and, but, but, but doing this in a way that does involve the consumer in some of these programs, but beyond that also becoming a real, um, education partner. So it's not just about the giving, but it's also about the, how can we, how can we educate people on the cause or the mission and get them engaged and involved beyond giving, you know, how, how can we, how can we see them, um, utilizing their, their networks and and to be almost kind of micro influencers um, to to get the message out and to get the word out. So it's become a much more holistic push um, that that is everything from consumer engagement and activation around giving to activation around education to to that corporate gift as well. And and then employee engagement, which is so critical to companies, particularly here and now of, of how can we involve our employees in volunteer efforts and opportunities. So it's it's this very holistic approach now to what we deem more of a of, of social impact marketing and social impact campaigns. Phil, are there opportunities for healthcare foundations to create partnerships? either with private industry or other foundations to help them fulfill their cause marketing campaigns or their cause philanthropy efforts? Yeah, there, there are, you know, as we, as we look at the hospital foundation, and again, I go back to the comment that I made earlier. If you, if you think about a hospital foundation, if you think about, if you think about hospitals in our communities, hospitals are, uh, are, a neutral ground, so to speak. You know, you you if you look at organizations in a community, there you can have everything from um, a, a an organization focused on um, feeding that community, or an organization focused on the homelessness in that community, or um, or particular areas of healthcare. And if you think about a hospital, it really is a it really is more of a neutral ground. And so with that. I think hospital foundations have an opportunity to become the conduit to bring multiple nonprofits together and multiple companies together to solve problems and issues within communities. And with that, build some of these social impact campaigns or platforms and and really be the driver of that. So I absolutely do see that as as an opportunity. And in fact, um, I would say that in order for nonprofits as a whole to continue survival, and particularly now, we're going to have to have more collaboration and more coalition building among nonprofits. N- nonprofits will be much more successful together and looking at fundraising together than they will separately. Um, in, in, in this day and age. And so I do think that the hospital foundation has a real opportunity to be that conduit and, and almost that curator 
of the various organizations within a community and the various businesses and corporations within the community to build a bigger um, fundraising push that again goes back to that that uh, benefit to the community as a whole. I can see that being one really, really strong reason to have an extremely diverse board of directors for your foundation so that you have a better feel for what's what are the needs in the community and also who can help you fulfill those needs. How do you even start that conversation with industry or other foundations? Is that the executive director's challenge of the foundation or do you see it as a, a board effort? Where does that begin? So I, I see it as a combination of those. Um, you know, certainly the executive director needs to be the orchestra leader, so to speak. You know, one, one of the things that I see often with, um, with foundations and with nonprofits is that there are some who do a phenomenal job of volunteer engagement and others who are not savvy at that at all. And, and, the reality is that your board, um, yes, your board is there to be a governing board, but your board is there to, to help you um, expand your fundraising efforts. And so really strong boards and strong executive directors need to be working hand in hand where the executive director and the staff are there to carry, to carry out kind of the day-to-day, -day, but the board members need to be the ones who are opening doors. They, they are door openers. They should be the ones to have initial conversations with um, corporations and businesses and, and, and donors at that higher level. Um, that, that really should be more of what, what role the board plays um, rather than just being on the board for the sake of being on the board or being on the board strictly for, for governance. So, you know, I, I think that as if I were talking to a foundation, a hospital foundation executive director, what I would say is that you, you really need to focus your efforts on developing the right board. Um, and, and going back to your point about d diversity, a diverse board, and, um, and then also um, really looking at your personal relationships with your board members. I do think that sometimes as executive directors um, of, of foundations, and, and listen, I, I am one and, and have been one, um, many times we, we look at the board as, oh, that, that's the board. You know, they're, they're at this particular level. Um, and, and we many times get a little bit concerned about our relationship with board members. And the reality is that a board member really should be looked at as, as a partner in all of this, not as a, not as a reporting structure, but more as a partnership structure. Yes, you, you do report to that board, but they need to become partners with you. And so that that's critical, but Barry, I want to just go back real quick on, on the point about diversity and diversity in boards. That is something that, that is, it, it takes, it takes a strategy, it takes time, and it also is going to take um, the reality of your board structure may have to look a little different than it has in the past. For the simple fact that if we take a snapshot of, of the United States and we look at our our C-suites right now, our C-suites our do not have 
proper representation in them when it comes to diversity. And so if you're going to build a board that's, that's more C-suite driven, you're going to miss out on the diversity piece. And so that's something that, that nonprofits and foundations really have to start to look at is altering that um, board structure a bit so that there is greater diversity and you're accomplishing that to move forward. And I think a big challenge is going to be for executive directors of foundations or the people they may engage to assist them is to educate the board to exactly what you're talking about. And then once you create this diverse board, making sure you have the opportunities to engage these people of diversity so that they feel that they are contributing to the success and the mission of the foundation. You know, I've always heard that there's several things you look for in a board member, and it's not always to be financially comfortable. Right, it's, yeah. It's to bring wealth to the board, but that wealth could be in a knowledge that other board members don't have, or it could be wealth to create relationships that this foundation hasn't been able to create on their own because they have not engaged this total diversity. I couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, you, you, we hear it so often, but it still rings true, which is the whole time talent treasure. Um, and I would, I would add to that for um, board members. I, I think we're now at time talent treasure and perspective. So um, you're, you're right. I mean that you, you have to look at where the gifts are for each board member. And by that, I mean, personal gifts and, and, and the way that they can contribute. If that's, if that's time and volunteering, if it's, if it's that they bring a particular talent or expertise to the table, if they are able to give great, but also, um, this, this addition of perspective um, is uh, ensuring that you are talking to your audiences in the right way and that you're having the greatest impact you can in your community. And there's an education curve there, both for executive directors and for the foundation board. Where does that education come from? Who, who educates the board? Who's, whose responsibility is that? Yeah, I, I think that that comes in a number of forms. I, I think that I think that the executive director and the and the staff is certainly responsible for that um, education. I also think that it is a it's a peer focus. In other words, I think that board members need to educate one another um, on that as well. Um, and then I would say that you, you know, as an executive director and as someone who is trying to educate a board, I think you have to look at resources. I think that you, you have to be attuned to your other friends who are, who are leaders of nonprofits, see what they're doing, see what they're accomplishing, um, possibly invite their boards in to, to educate your own board. If you're seeing a board that's successful out there, don't be afraid to, to ask if you can have an exchange of the minds and, and, um, and, and talk to one another and, and really get a good perspective on what's happening and, and best practices. And then the other piece to that is there, there are um, people and entities and, and, and firms and agencies that specialize in this. And, and I think one of the things we have to be aware of as nonprofits is that nonprofits 
are also businesses. And sometimes we have to invest in, in ourselves as a nonprofit. And that may mean investing in, in um, professionals to, to assist and, and provide the, uh, the leadership and direction for you. Exactly. Thanks, Bill. Well, we're at the end of our time today, Phil, and it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. We appreciate your valuable insight. Barry, thanks for having me, and I look forward to our next conversation. And thanks so much to our listeners. Stay tuned for our next episode of Shifting Sands with Kathy Watts. Kathy is the partner in charge of Horn Healthcare, and she'll be discussing charitable giving and its tax implications in 2020. Shifting Sands is brought to you by Horn Healthcare. For over 60 years and with more than 70 dedicated accounting and advisory professionals, Horn Healthcare is a decidedly different firm. Find us online at hornllp.com.